All right. I, uh, it's kind of funny how God has a sense of humor and work things out. Amen. Anybody know that God has a sense of humor on the way he's worked things out? Um, I, everybody, I'm sure everybody knows that Pastor John, uh, our senior pastor, has surgery this week on his back, and I uh, had that on Tuesday. And from all reports that I know, the bishop is home, according to his Facebook message last night. And, uh, and he, uh, he has come home, and uh, from what I understand, uh, the surgery went textbook, so everything went wonderfully. Obviously, he's having a little bit of pain from the surgery and everything. And I talked to him briefly, and he says he's still got the little twinge, but uh, it's hard for him to describe the difference. But he, he can tell an obvious difference in uh, the relief in his back. So I think we ought to praise God for that. And... Um, I've had back issues in the past, and I even had back surgery one time after herniating two discs, so I understand back pain, and uh, it's, it's not fun at all. And so I just, I just pray that, uh, that he is going to be able to pick up his girls and his little boy uh, without wincing and uh, in pain, and, uh, and that he's just going to be able to play with his kids like he wants to. And then uh, also uh, yesterday, Pastor Drew calls me and says, man, I'm sick. <laughs> so, and he was supposed to speak today, and so I apologize you get me this morning. So, uh, <laughs> and, and so since this is my first time speaking, you get, you're going to kind of get a little story of my life and everything, and, and one of the first bits and pieces of information uh, that, that uh, kind of comes from my life is I'm from Mentalville, I mean Milledgeville. That's where I was born and grew up. Grew up in the hospital. It used to be Baldwin County uh, Hospital, now Oconee Regional Medical Center. So I was born there. And uh, actually, my mom and my sister and her husband are sitting with us today. And uh, so it's uh, so that you may not be as encouraged after knowing I'm from Milledgeville. In fact, I ran into, I've ran into a few people. I've been in several different states and uh, even run into a few people in different states. And they've heard of Milledgeville. And, uh, in fact, they, uh, I heard one mother say, yeah, every time we would get onto our kids and they were misbehaving, we would threaten to send them to Milledgeville. And I'm th- uh, thank you very much, lady. Appreciate that. So, anyway, so we hope that uh, Pastor John, you know, he si- signed for me to get me out of my phone room. And uh, hopefully that doesn't expire before he gets back. So, uh, but uh, well, let's, uh, let's take a moment just to pray for Pastor John and, and Pastor Drew. And uh, he's, he's been fighting fever and stuff, and so he's not feeling well. If you've ever ran a fever, you feel like crud. And so let's just pray for them, lift them up. And, uh, and Kim's also home taking care of him. She's got two babies already. Now she's taking care of the big tall baby. So let's just pray that God just, uh, you know, just heal him this week. And whatever, whatever's causing the, uh, the sickness and the fever and all that, that God is just going to zap it because God has the power to get to the root of the problem. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we just come before your throne. And God, we want to thank you that Pastor John's surgery went well. And God, that uh, his back is going to be uh, going to be fine, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that uh, that he has a quick recovery. God, any pain from the surgery quickly uh, uh, quickly goes away. And God, that he's able to get back to uh, uh, back to life as he wants to. God, loving his wife and loving his children, being able to pick up his children and play with them with no problem at all. God, and we just pray for strength in the muscles and the vertebrae, the nerves. God, I pray that the nerves receive life again. Uh, any numbness or tingling or pain, God, that he had before would be no more. And, Father, we just give you praise and going on for that, knowing that, that you're making him tall and strong and steadfast, Lord, physically. And I pray to God that he never has back pain again. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for Drew this morning. I pray, God, that you would heal him, God. Whatever's causing the fever, be it viral or bacterial, God, 
uh, which, which, whatever's causing the problem, God, I pray that his body fights, if it's infection, God, he fights the infection, God. I pray that, uh, that you would touch his, uh, his body, his immune system, God, that it would just kick into high gear, God, and fight uh, the, how you made our bodies, Lord. You made us uh, with such wonderful uh, weaving, God, the way you weaved us together, God. And I just pray that every... Um, Every, every um, sickness-fighting element of our, bo- of our bodies, God, that that would begin to activate in Drew's body, God, and you would annihilate any sickness, any cause of the sickness, God. And we pray, pray for total and complete health. Raise him up and be strong, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for praying with me on that. So, like I said, you're going to kind of get a little bit of a story of, about, about me so you can kind of get to know me. We've been here for a few months, and I just want to tell you, Christ Chapel, we are thoroughly enjoying being a part of, being a part of this family. You've uh, accepted us with, with love. Uh, you know, we've, we've met so many people, um, still meeting people, because sometimes I run across, across some of you in the grocery store, and it's like, hey, Ben, how you doing? I'm like, Great to see you again. So, so yeah, but don't be afraid to come up because we want to meet you. We are people, people, and we love to be around people and uh, love to hang out and be friends. So don't be afraid to come up and say hi, introduce yourself, even if you, we hadn't met yet. But uh, we we love being being a part. One of the, one of the things that uh, when Pastor John and I sat down with uh, uh, back in last October and we just were talking and and uh, and I said uh, we were talking about what we wanted to do. And we were in a great church. Uh, God was moving and doing some great things. And, and, uh, and so we were just talking about family and things like that and, and, um, and connections. And, and, uh, and I said, one thing that I want for my family is a place where, where they are well-connected and, uh, you know, we were just talking about family, that they have friends, and, and uh, that God just, you know, uh, surrounds us with, with family, and, and not, just, not just biological family, but the family of God. Uh, there's something about being a part of the family of God that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, whether you, you grew up with another mother or not, right? God, God has a way of knitting that family together to give you a support system through life. And so, uh, so, so in that course of just talking about whether we should work together or not, uh, that come up, and, and uh, he bragged about you guys all the time. And, uh, and so once we stepped foot in the door and started meeting people and getting to know people, that has become true. And so I want to say thank you for that. We feel well cared for. And uh, it's kind of like one of those experiences, and I hope this is okay. I say this, uh, I've said this several times. It's kind of like one of those things. Have you ever been in a moment in your life where you're like, everything's just going so good, you're kind of waiting for that shoe to drop, you know? It's really kind of one of those moments. So hopefully some of you out there aren't the shoe that drops. <laughs> no, but uh, I may be the shoe that drops. But, um, but yeah, I, it, it's just kind of one of those moments where God has just put things in life. Uh, we really feel like we've come into a season of blessing. And, and most of the time when people say that, they're talking about, you know, my, my wallet's thick and my bank account's full. And I'm not talking about that. It's just my life is full. Our lives are full. And uh, we thank you for that. Continue that love because that's what draws people in. When you have the love of God, in fact, Jesus himself said, by this men will know that you are my disciples because of the love you have for one another. And so when you're going through that drive through at McDonald's and they are just yeah, they got the new 60-second thing. Have y'all seen that? And, and, they, and they take a little bit longer. Or they take, or they take the timer. Have, you, have they taken the timer from you and then they lay it on the side so it doesn't tick anymore? Yeah, have y'all had that happen? Yeah. We don't go to McDonald's. That's probably a good thing. Um, so anyway, you know, but I mean, you might be the very thing that lights up that person's life, even though your sweet tea wasn't sweet, sweet enough, Right? And, uh, and so, so just, just be a light. Just continue that love because that's what draws people to Jesus is the love that you have for one another. So um, 
I've got a few notes here. I'm going to kind of shoot from the hip just a little bit just to kind of uh, talk about myself. One of the, uh, scripture I would, like to, uh, I would like to talk about today. I've got several scriptures, and some of them will pop up on the screen here. But Jeremiah 17, verses 7 through 8, uh, and I'm going to read that for you. And this is going to kind of start a basis of what God, I believe, has for us today. But anyway, verse 7, it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Now, watch. I'm kind of a word person when it comes to reading the Scripture because I want you to hang on every word, okay? So really, really concentrate on what's being said. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Now, listen. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It le- its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That's what happens when a person trusts and puts their confidence in the Lord. Isn't that cool? And so, and I asked you earlier, how many has trust issues? I mean, it, most of us have dealt with trust issues, uh, you know, especially if you've had a, had a past where, uh, a past of abuse or somebody has, has let you down or someone has being your friend, you felt like they, y'all were like that, and then all of a sudden you find out, found out they were stabbing you in the back and talking about you. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Okay. Some of y'all had a great life. But you see, these, you know, blessed is the one that trusts in the Lord. Um, I, like I said, I started in Mentalville, Milledgeville with my life and, uh, and so was raised in, I'm, I was raised in a, a, a loving family and a family that loved God. Uh, one thing that my dad uh, had always said is, for me and my house, we would serve the Lord. And, um, and so it, if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm at least third generation ministry. Now, the perspective of my testimony is probably going to come more from kind of a Christian standpoint because I grew up in a Christian home. And so, so my, my hope is that I don't lose someone. If you didn't grow up in that kind of home or, or lifestyle, um, and, and, and maybe took some turns that, that, you know, we, that you and I didn't go down the different paths. I want you to kind of take this from the perspective of, of what it means to, to serve God and, and how God works things out for the good of everyone, all things for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Because I would dare say everyone in this room there may be a few with that, that, that are exception to this, have made Jesus the Lord of your life or have made that decision. Or you have been coming for the last several weeks or the last little while and you are pondering that decision. And so I want you to know, as we start into this, Jesus never fails. Jesus will not let you down. Though you go through hard times and hard seasons, and, and which, which all of us have, uh, at different levels, and uh, God, Jesus never fails. And so I want you to remember that as, as we talk. But anyway, I grew up in a, a Christian home. Uh, from the age of five, I, I gave my heart and life to the Lord and was immediately uh, started singing and ministering with my dad, and my mom sang for a little while as well, and we grew up ministering together. And, um, and so um, Growing up, I, I, I had a blast doing that. I had a blast singing and everything. Now, we weren't a perfect family. A lot of times that we would go and sing at concerts and everything, and, 
Go, we'd get up there and we'd sing, telling people how to live their life and all that kind of stuff. And we just got through fighting like dogs right before the concert. So I'm kind of a transparent person. Uh, Rachel, she uh, left to go do some other things. And I said, well, I hope I don't say anything embarrassing about you or me. So I'm kind of, uh, just kind of transparent. So, I, you know, I hope that's okay. Because uh, I, I don't want you to think that everything's all rosy because things, you know, things happen and, and mistakes are made. And uh, I've made my share of mistakes and, and my eye has wandered where it shouldn't and my heart has wandered where it shouldn't. And, and so, uh, so, but I, I'm telling you what, God is faithful. And, uh, and it's amazing that, that when you put your trust in God, like that scripture says, he will work things out. And so, anyway, I grew up in a, a ministering home. Uh, like I said, I'm about third generation ministry. Uh, started singing and, uh, and playing music when I was about five, six years old. Uh, uh, ministering and singing with my dad and my brother. And uh, we were known as the Curtis Scott Family Gospel Singers. And uh, did some southern and country gospel. Uh, how many are southern gospel fans out there? Quartets, you like quartets, and Bill Gaither, anybody like that? Yeah, see some of you waving hands. Yeah, I I grew up on a heritage of that. Some of the old hymns, you, you see, I will do some old hymns and things like that, and so I have a have a, a huge appreciation for that. I can still sit and sit in a quartet concert, uh, Ernie Haas and Signature Sound, and enjoy the concert. <laughs> so, um, and uh, because I grew up on a lot of that stuff, and so uh, as growing up in the in the ministry. Uh, and uh, ministering with my family uh, about the age of 14, 15, uh, started speaking a little bit, and, uh, and I still only speak a little bit because I try to keep it to a, uh, a little bit of a minimum. I don't consider myself the best speaker in the world, but uh, God still has a tendency to use me. In fact, uh, I remember one time when I, was, uh, when I was about 15 or 16, I may have been a little bit older, maybe 17, anyway, somewhere in there. Uh, that uh, uh, I was asked to speak at a, at a youth day in our, in our home church, and, um, and I can remember all day just struggling with the message. And, and, one, and finally, uh, we were actually singing that morning, and then we were supposed to be back that evening, and I was supposed to speak, and I'm all nervous and about to throw up. And, and, uh, so, but God gave me one scripture, and that was it. I was like, thanks a lot, God. You know, here I am all nervous wreck. And uh, so anyway, we get to the church and then, uh, you know, going through the music and praying. And my, my knees are just like knocking and knocking and knocking. And, and, uh, and so I'm like, God, I, I want to, I have a tendency sometimes to get my tongue caught in my eye tooth. And then I can't see what I'm saying. Anybody ever have that problem? And, uh, and it, it still happens. So you, I, I just learned to overlook it. But I remember praying, uh, praying that prayer uh, before I got up, and I said, God, please don't let me stumble over my words. I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to embarrass me. And, and God, give me, the wor- give me words of power. Give me, give me words of, of wisdom and, you know, and, and people running to the altars and you know, just kind of praying all these prayers. You know, who wouldn't want to have that? And I remember growing up in the ministry wanting to be that, that power evangelist. Well, all I had to do was go, hey, and the whole place would just, you know, go nuts, you know, have, have, have that voice where I, you know, it's like, hallelujah, you know, and people just, you know, go crazy and start jumping and swinging from chandeliers. I wanted that kind of, you know, I don't know if that was a bad thing or a good thing, but I remember I just wanted that. And the first time I, I started to get up to speak, I realized I'm not that. And so I went through and, and I kind of got disappointed and went through kind of disappointed, uh, a disappointment in, in life and, and, um, and kind of wondered why, it, you know, because I had it in here and I had it in here, but, you know, just when I went to speak, it was, I was more conversationalist, you know. And uh, so I was like, you know, and now my, my brother, who was just a year and six days younger than me, now he got that. 
I mean, he could, he could shuck the corn, and he could have people laughing and wetting their pants and then running to the altar afterwards to get clean. clean no, nah, they went to the bathroom to get cleaned up. But they, you know, my, now I was not jealous of my brother. I just wanted that too. And um, so I can remember this day, you know, coming, and I'm going to speak, and, and uh, my knees are knocking and everything, and I'm just praying, God, give me this, and I don't want to stumble over my words, and I don't want to, you know, mess it up and, you know, uh, be an embarrassment to you. And how many know that God doesn't get embarrassed. You know, God, God's just in control. And finally, I think I prayed the magical prayer, at least for that day. And finally, I was like, God, you know what? Here I am praying all this stuff because I'm concerned about what it's, the embarrassment that it's going to cause me. And I was like, God, as long as I say what you want me to say it, no matter how it comes out, no matter how, you know, if I have to stumble, if I stumble over my words, have to back up and start again, as long as I'm saying what you want me to say, then I'll be okay. And I think that was still by far my best sermon that I've ever preached. You know, beyond that, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, I got old or something. But, um, but yeah, but God just ministered in that time. And so um, I didn't shout or hoot or holler or anything like that. And, you know, the house didn't come down. But, but God just really moved in that service. And so um, kind of in that, in that journey, and I kind of want to just, you know, spark in you because my guess is that most everybody in this room has the desire, God, I want to do what you want me to do. Right? What everybody kind of. You know, God, I, I, want to, I, I want to be right, I, I want to do right, I want to be what you've called me to be. Uh, and a lot of times we have these dreams and these visions of, of how we think it should come out, or, or, you know, we kind of envision ourselves doing this. And sometimes we make the mistake, and I want to make sure that you understand, sometimes we make this mistake as, w- as we'll see someone like Pastor John. And Pastor John's one of my favorite communicators. Uh, and, um, and I'm not just trying to, you know, just pat him on the back just because I work here. But, um, but he is truly one of my favorite communicators. Pastor Drew is a fabulous communicator. And you may look at those men, uh, or you may see like uh, Kelly up here speaking from time to time, or, or other women of God speaking uh, for the women. You may say, God, I want to be, be like that. I want to do that. And we make the mistake of feeling like that if we could do that, then we could really do something for the kingdom of God. When sometimes God has not designed that for you. God has designed something else for you. And kind of like in my journey, when I was at a young age, I want to be this fireball evangelist that could just really preach the paint off the walls and then people just run into the altars. You know, all I had to do was just say boo and just, you know, stuff happened. And so, and, and, and for me, it wasn't that. But as I, I, as I began to allow God to do his work in me and began to just, Seek God and say, God, what do you have for me? How am I supposed to be according to your design and plan? I began to fall in love more with what God had for me and his idea for me than what I thought I should become. I, I, I can remember staring a, a pastor in the face um, uh, several years ago, telling him that I'm not a worship pastor. I'm a youth pastor. And how dead wrong was I? <laughs> And, and, and I realized that because uh, when I moved from, from Georgia to a- Alabama was my first out-of-state stop and uh, started trying to do the things that I did when I, that I did at home and had a fairly successful kind of youth thing going on. And I wasn't running it, but I was a part of the leadership and did a lot of the singing and ministering. And, uh, and so, you know, I, and, and I had the ministry that I had left from my hometown, I had told that pastor, I'm not a, I'm not a worship pastor, I'm a youth pastor. And so when I got over there and I, I did youth and music, um, I began to realize that I, was more, that I felt like I was more effective in the musical side of things. So I had kind of really, I had to eat those words later on. 
That's because I kind of kind of had this idea in my head of what I thought I should be. And, uh, and, and, and maybe you've kind of gone along that journey, especially if you've been with the Lord for a few years, you kind of have this idea in your mind of what you think you're going to become, what you think, and, and how many times have we just been wrong? <laughs> I've been so wrong many times. But God has a way of just still, you know, I, I was talking with Pastor John a little bit about today, and, and we were talking about, you know, some of the things that, that I've had in my life. And he said, you know, sometimes, you know, when God leads, he doesn't necessarily lead in a straight line. Because like I said, I was born and grew up in Milledgeville. And, and today I, I stand here on staff at Christ Chapel. Well, why couldn't God have just moved me from Milledgeville to here early in life rather than waiting so long <laughs> to bring it back? You know, I, I don't know. But I do know I would not be the person I am today if I did not follow the path that God had led. And, and how, there's been, you know, here I grew up in, in a Christian home with Christian leadership and, and, and discipleship and, you know, and kind of knowing how to, how to do it. If you've grown up in a Christian home, you kind of know how to do it or you've been around Christian people who kind of pick up on how to do it. And, and if you're not careful, you'll become fake at it. You'll be one person here but another person out there. And see, that, that's dangerous because it's best to be the same person no matter where you're at. Uh, when it comes to, to me, what you see is what you get. And uh, even though I'm from Milledgeville, what you see is what you get. Like I said, that could be dangerous. could be a fun thing. So behave yourself, Andy. So <laughs> he said he's going to make faces and stuff at me. That might trip me up. But... You know, uh, we, we kind of get to these places where we think we ought to, like I said, become something else, and God doesn't necessarily lead in a straight line. Um, but if, if we fail to just let God lead us in the direction that he has for us, it's, you know, and we work against that, it's going to be a lot harder. Sometimes I think we, we stall and delay the plans of God. Um, God has to kind of reroute us to get us to show up at the right time. <laughs> and um, because, you know, we just, we're just not ready. And, um, and so it's, it's very important. It, like I said, today it's kind of interesting how God has orchestrated things and how, you know, yesterday I'm talking with Drew and, and knowing that I'm, I'm now going to speak and didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare and get my head in the game and all that. But it's amazing how from the music, because they talked with, with Leanne about singing and, and leading the music, uh, leading the worship for today, and so there were some changes to the song list. And I can't tell you, you know, as, as I was standing down there worshiping, seeing how everything is just perfectly lined up for you today. And, and I titled my message today after the song Cornerstone, because if God is not the cornerstone of your life, then your building is going to fall apart. The walls are not going to line up. And so it's very important, you know, that God must be, has to be, the cornerstone of your life. Um, as I was growing up and then kind of started moving on into other um, other things, and, and um, wound up leaving Georgia and going to Alabama. Hopefully nobody feels bad about that. I can remember I had a roommate over in Alabama, and uh, 
I went uh, um, to, uh, to one of the stores to buy a hat, buy my first fitted hat, the one and only I ever had. So I'm walking up there and uh, trying to figure out, I know I'm in Alabama, so if, if I start wearing a Georgia shirt, I might get shot. So, so anyway, so, I'm, so I, I pick out a crimson tied hat, and, uh, and I wear it. So anyway, I'm, I'm sitting there playing video games. Somebody said yes. Somebody, I heard a gun cock. So, because you might be an Auburn fan. Any Auburn fans out there? Oh, a couple alone. Be careful. Remember Christ Chapel, we love people here, all right? So I'm playing a video game, and uh, I'm sitting on the edge of his bed because he had the video game in his bed. And he, come, he finally come home and everything. I said, hey, I got this hat. Did I get the right team? And, uh, he's, uh, and it was, like I said, it was Alabama Crimson Tide. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, that's it, that's it. I was like, darn it, I should have bought the Auburn hat. This guy's big. He's like really big, and he was t- taller than me, about, about a, almost a head taller than me, and he's just built big. He's standing in his doorway. I'm sitting on the edge of his bed. He tackles me, and, I go, and him and I go tumbling over the other side of the bed, and, uh, and I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I was just kidding, you know? So apparently that, you know, I found out back then that Auburn and Alabama have this huge rivalry, Right? And, uh, and so it was, it was dangerous to say I should have bought the other hat, the Auburn hat. But anyway, um, but, uh, but, you know, went, went through and, and, uh, and started just trying to discover, you know, went through some uh, different struggles and hurts and pains, just kind of wondering, what, what do you want me to do, God? I, I want to do what you want me to do. And God taking me on this journey, uh, you know, this time being four hours from home. And we had a close-knit family because we, we were with each other all the time, uh, with each other in ministry, in life. Um, all that stuff, and so and so now I'm, I'm away from home, out of state, and uh, and I can remember from time to time I would drive home, and uh, it was kind of funny because I would hit mom's couch and I would go to sleep. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd come home and take a nap. It was kind of weird, but uh, but anyway, we got uh, I, I started growing and God just started doing some things, and I eventually went to Indiana and was a youth pastor and music pastor there, and just learned a lot of a lot of hard lessons, one, uh, things in leadership and, and things like that, things that, that I never necessarily grew up uh, because we traveled around so much. I didn't learn a lot of church leadership. Well, now I'm in church leadership and just learning a lot of, a lot of neat and cool things, but hard things for me to process because most, most musicians and artists, arti- artistic people are kind of flighty. How many would agree? No? Yeah. They show up late. They're kind of like they're free spirits. They just kind of, yeah, I just want to be free. I just want to be free, you know. And, uh, and so I had to really kind of get a swift kick in my pants, you know, because I had, a, I, had a, uh, I had a pastor that I was working for who was just a workaholic. I mean, he was organized, and, and I'm so unorganized. I probably uh, made that man lose some of his hair, and he had a lot of thick black hair. And, uh, and it was just, you know, because I was just like, you know, just, you know, whatever, whenever, you know. And it's like, don't show up late again. How many times I had that conversation with him. And so I just really had to learn a lot of things. And so um, one of the other things in life that, uh, that I wanted to do was I saw a, a loving relationship between my mom and my dad. And some of you may get grossed out at this, but how many, how many got grossed out of seeing your mom and dad make out in the kitchen? Your mom and dad kiss, you're like, ooh, gross, stop. You know, don't you realize that's how you got here? But anyway, um, so, so anyway, but one thing that I, you know, they're like, ugh, you know, just poke my mind's eye out. I just can't stand the thought of mom and dad kissing. But, but anyway, one thing that I saw between my mom and dad is that there was a loving relationship. So I began to want that. And uh, so I was, I kind of, in my younger years, I was kind of this hopeless romantic. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, aw, you know. 
Yeah. And, you know, and so any girlfriend I had, I mean, I was committed to marriage. We're going to get married and, this, you know, she's the one, you know. And I was looking for the one. And so uh, I guess that scared them because they would always, they would always break up with me. Everybody say, aw. <laughs> no, so anyway, I went through, you know, how many have ever gone through hurtful relationships? Yes. Do we relate there? Okay. Maybe you're the one that hurts. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, it, we've gone through those, those times, and I can remember just going through a period of time. And, and how many have ever gotten to this point? Yeah, how many, have, you, how many in, this, in this house, you may have already done this, but, but if you haven't, you want to fall in love, right? Anybody want to fall in love? Meet that one, fall in Why aren't you like, there's either a bunch of liars in here. Or everybody's set. So how many want to fall in love? It's okay to admit that I want to fall in love. My hands, both my hands raised, right? So, yeah. And a bunch of y'all lying. When we have the altar call in just a few moments, it ought to be full today, right? So, uh, so I wanted to fall in love and all that. Now, how many, if you, how many have ever struggled with that? It just seemed like love just won't find you, and you're just getting older and older, and, you know, life is, you know, life is just passing you by, and it'll probably never happen, and oh, woe is me, and get out the Kleenex box, and, you know, wish somebody loved me. So, um, you know, I, I kind of felt like that was starting to happen. But how many, you got to the, you got to the point you were praying in your life, and you, you, you would finally say, okay, I'm okay. If, if nobody ever shows up in my life, I'm going to be okay. You know, I, it's just me and God all the way. I'm devoted to Jesus, and I, I don't want no girlfriend. I don't, I don't want no boyfriend, right? Anybody ever been to that? And how many lied as you were saying that? I can't tell you how many times I said, oh, no, it's just me and Jesus, baby. You know, just, I don't need no girlfriend. And inside, I'm lying. I had to repent a lot. And so I can remember, remember feeling that way, you know. Just, you know, you, you kind of— if you're not careful, let me speak to you young people. You'll get so distracted on wanting those things and wanting what you think God, you know, what you think you need to make it in life, and you miss out on good time that you could have invested in pouring into your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that really, like I, like I said, this whole thing is built on Jesus being your cornerstone. Because truly you don't need anything else but Jesus. And then God knows what you have need of in life, and he will supply that, and he knows when you need it, and he will give it to you when you need it. But there are some, there are some times that you just ain't ready for. Now, obviously, I did, y'all, y'all saw my wife up here just a few moments, uh, moments ago doing the announcements and, and, um, and all that stuff, and I've got a, I got a hot wife, and God, God blessed me, uh, married way out of my league, and uh, let me tell you, men, you know how to get a hot wife? Get the anointing. Because it don't matter how ugly you are. As long as you're anointed, you will be attractive. So just remember that. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need will be added unto you. And she will look good. So whether you look good or not, okay, just get the anointing. That's all you need, just the anointing. So... So I, you know, one of those things, I can remember saying, you know, it's just me and Jesus, and, but I was lying. And I finally came to the point, and uh, I, I don't have time to just go into all the stories. I finally came to the point where actually when I said that, that was true. And um, I, I want to say I was about 25. It was it, 2001, uh, year 2001. And turned that first of the year, I actually moved back from Indiana to mental, uh, Millersville with my family to uh, revisit my phone room and you know, bang my head there. 
And, uh, and so, so, we, uh, so, so I spent some time, and I just kind of went through just a lot of changes, processing a lot of things over the, over the years that I'd learned. And, and there again, I thought one thing that was going to turn out, you know, it didn't turn out. But really, God moved me away from what I was in and what I'd learned and took me through a time where just to process the things that I learned. Because sometimes you just need to sit and process what God has taught you. All the stuff, that, you know, sometimes you feel like you're getting fed through a fire hydrant. Anybody ever felt that way? And then sometimes you just need to take it easy and, and just process what God has been trying to stir in you, teach you, and start placing those things in the proper order in your life. And, uh, and so it was during that time that I really came to a place where I could really say, God, it, it's just you and me all the way. I really don't care because I, I gotten so tired of doing that game and thinking I had the right thing and it didn't turn out right and thinking it was going to go this way and it didn't turn out that way and, and uh, you know, being disappointed. I just got tired of that game when I should have gotten that idea beforehand and just been with God all the way. I heard it said like this one time, uh, one of my favorite pastors of all time, Jim Wiegand up in, up in Fenton, Michigan. Uh, my family and I spent six, almost six years there uh, on staff at a church and just a phenomenal guy. In fact, my two younger children were born in Michigan, uh, so they're Michiganders and um, kind of. They're now Georgia, Georgia Peaches now, but, but uh, they, uh, they, uh, um, that was just a time of just uh, healing and restoration and a lot of development in, in my family's life, and God just bless us there. But one thing he said, that, if, that if, if you'll chase after Jesus hard, and then if you look over one day and find that, that woman of God or that man of God that's chasing God just as hard as you are, and they're like running alongside of you, that might be the, you might ought to ask her out that your concentration is on Jesus and you're running hard after him, that you realize somebody is running next to you, that, that might be the person that you might want to check out. Because anything else is just probably going to get you in, you're going to go through a lot of ups and downs and, and a lot of things just to, you know, and if, you, uh, if you're not careful, you, you'll allow the flesh to get in there and then that's where we have the separations and the divorces and the, and the broken families is because we both don't chase after the heart of God first. And so, and so, um, so anyway, I finally got to that place in my life where I could truly say, hey, you know, I really do not want a relationship right now, and I, I want God. About a month and a half later, Rachel shows up. <laughs> I'd finally gotten to that place. It was a, a youth camp up in Indiana. I was asked to go back and lead worship there. And, uh, and y'all don't mind the little story, do you, of, of how we met? Because sometimes we get that question. Hey, you may not want to hear it, but you're going to have to hear it anyway. Sorry. Um, Anyway, we, uh, I got there and had put together a band and everything, and so uh, Monday was obviously when all the campers would get there and register and get registered and checked in and everything. Well, Sunday was a time, uh, Sunday night, uh, Sunday evening was a time where we'd set up the equipment and all that stuff, get everything ready, and uh, leader, uh, leadership and counselors and coaches and, and uh, people on the, um, on the staff of the, you know, the adults of, uh, of the camp would meet and have, you know, the, their orientation and stuff like that. And so walking to the back of the auditorium, and and, um, and I see a friend uh, that I hadn't seen in a while, a fellow youth pastor that I'd worked with in, in the city that I was in when I was in Indiana, and we were started chatting. Well, little did I know, Rachel is sitting in that building too, and she was one of the, um, she was not a camper. So <laughs> just to ease your mind on that, uh, she was one of the, the camp nurses, and, and uh, she was also uh, one of the lifeguards there, and uh, later found out that, uh, that she had turned around and about the time that I had come in the door and she saw me and was like, wow. No, <laughs> no she... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, tur- 
She turns to her, one of her best friends that she's sitting by, and she's like, I don't know why I'm saying this, but that guy right there, she's like, I'm going to marry him. She's like, do you know him? Never seen him before in my life. And uh, I'll give you the shortened version. Ten months later, we were married, <laughs> so she was right. Um, but I can remember, I, can remember uh, I, I was really one of those, those guys that I never really felt like, I, you know, how some guys, uh, some guys will walk around and it's like, man, that girl digs me. You know, she likes me, you can tell. I was never one of those guys where I'm like, you know, I, I, would, I, I would have to kind of start getting to know the girl and then find out, oh, she actually likes me, cool, you know. And uh, I was never able to just see that in a person. And, uh, you know, I'd have, even have friends say, hey, man, she likes you, she likes you. I'm like, nah, 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 you go through that whole dumb thing. But anyway, I'm glad I'm out of the dating life. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, so we went to the cafeteria to eat pizza and everything, and I sat down, and then just a couple minutes later, Rachel sits down, and she plops right down in front of me right across the table. And it's like immediately I knew why she was sitting across the table from me. And I was irritated because I'm like, God, I just got to the place after all these years that I'm okay with just you and me. And what's this? I mean, yes, yeah, she's hot, but come on. You know, and so anyway, we got to talking that week, and, and I at least had to tell you that portion because I always get a kick out of that one. But, uh, you know, we, we got to the place that week where, um, you know, I, I gave her my business card at the end with my number. <laughs> uh, here you go, baby. You know, and my CD. I gave her my CD, too. So <laughs> uh, I, I just really had it all. You know, this hopeless romantic failed at that point. So anyway, well, 10 months later, we got married, and, and, uh, and I'm telling you, it's, it's been a blast. It's been an adventure. How many remember the old Stephen Curtis Chapman song, uh, This is the Great Adventure? Anybody remember that? Some of y'all, that's old school. So Stephen Curtis Chapman's still good. So, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a great adventure. And let me tell you, I, I don't have time to go into all the details of, of married life and things like that, but it's, uh, I remember I was blessed, I feel, uh, by one of the greatest women of God I've ever known. Uh, my best friend's mother, who's been straight as a board all her life, and I always said if I could get a wife like my mom and her, man, I'd be, I'd be set. And, uh, and I believe God gave me that in Rachel. But we, uh, uh, she gave me a take called Great Expectations. And let me encourage you young people. Um, we get these great expectations. And let me kind of explain. You know, you've probably heard sermons and messages and motivational speeches on love and how you're supposed to be. But just understand that, that falling in love, you know, most of the time you're not in love when you first get married. You know, you feel like you are. But, but love is a, is a choice, not always a feeling. There's feelings that come from being loved. But love is a choice. And really marriage is not for you. Because when we go into marriage and love, we go into it feeling like, what I'm going to get from this person, how this person's going to make me feel, how it's going to be, oh, this grand and wonderful thing, and, you know, he's going to love me, and he's going to bring me breakfast in bed every morning, and, you know, and, or she's going to, man, she's just going to, I'm going to walk in the house, and she's just going to smother me with kisses and all that stuff every day, and, all that, and, and, and we, we kind of go into these relationships of what's in it for me. But if you know God in any way, Jesus did not come to this planet to, to find out what was in it for him because we know how it ended up for him. Now, in the long run, 
Obviously, we know the resurrection, which I, 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 I do not like to fail to talk about the resurrection because that's where the power comes in, that death could not hold him. Death could not keep him. He rose from the dead. But what he went through was not for him. It was for us. And so when you enter life into, in, into a marriage, you enter a relationship, you really got to realize this is not for me. And you really put your heart out there because it's dangerous. It's vulnerable because that might not be reciprocated. Amen? And that's, that's hard. But Jesus is our, our best example of what love is. Love is about someone else. Love is not about me. And we hope and we pray. And if you allow God to orchestrate your life as it should be, right, then you'll get those rewards. God knows what you have need of, and he will give that to you. But it's, it's really a danger. It's really, you have, somebody has to make the choice first, right? And so now, uh, in saying that, I, I want to be cautious because I don't want to belittle anybody that has gone through a painful relationship because those feelings are very real, and those, those feelings are very hard. There's been many times, even though I love my wife and I love my family, there's been times in my marriage where I, where I was tempted with the idea of, like, I want to check out because I'm not feeling the way I want to feel. I'm not feeling the love that I, that I think I ought to feel. I take care of this family, and I make the dough, and I put the bread on the table, and I pay the rent, and I, you know, I provide the transportation, I drive the clunker while she drives the nice vehicle, and I, you know, all these kind of reasons why I deserve and why I should get what I should get. And then I have to repent for my selfishness. Anybody ever been there? You know? Well, we go through those things, and we think things ought to turn out a certain way, but God has another plan. And I'm definitely convinced, when it, young people, listen to me, that marriage is not for that eternal bliss. Marriage is really to build the character of both of you. And if you allow God to work that in you, my God, you become a dynamic duo. And I think my wife and I are a pretty cool team. And if you haven't got to know us personally, and I, I'm not, I, please don't take that as cockiness or arrogance. That's not what I'm trying to get at. But God knew what he was doing. And even though it was difficult in the molding process, and I didn't quite fit that way, and she didn't quite fit that way, God knew what he was doing. And I got an awesome family, and I got some good-looking babies. God bless me. And so it's, it's uh, and even on that, I, I, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to kind of land the plane here soon because we're running out of time. And, and, uh, and so this kind of gives you a little bit uh, of, of a way to get to know us just a little bit as far as what God has done in our life. But, you know, there's, there's, there's things in ministry that we went through. And like I said, like I said, you know, when Pastor John and I were talking, God does not always lead in a straight line. And, and I do know this, that if we had not gone the journey that God had taken us on, we would not be the people we are today. You would not be where you're at today if you'd not gone the journey. And what, and what I want to encourage you is, is don't just give up on God. You can truly trust the heart of God because God's not in it to destroy you. He's in it to make you what you need to be. And he, he's, got, he's got a design, uh, like, like it says in, in the first chapter of Jeremiah, that before he formed you in the womb, God knew you. He knew every part and every detail of your life. Every detail of your physique and body and everything that you were. And God designed you to be who you are and everything that you've gone through. He, he knew all those circumstances. See, the cool thing that I know about, no matter how hard the situations are, no matter what hard things I go through. Now, I can fill in the blanks with what I've gone through. You can fill in the blanks with what you've gone through. 
I've gone through blank. And you fill in the blank with the hard things you've gone through. God knew what was going to happen. None of that took God by surprise. Now, sometimes that can be hard to swallow. It's like, well, God, if it didn't take you by surprise and you knew what was going to happen, why did you let it happen to me? How many have ever had that question? And those are legitimate questions. Guess what? God is not scared of those questions. I've learned as a minister, you know, I know, I know a lot of ministers who would be very scared for you to ask some of the questions that you need to ask. I'm not scared. I may not have an answer for you, but I know in God, God will work all things out because he promised it, the promises that are in his word. So let's go, go and read some scripture here, and we'll, we'll land the plane here. Um, one of my life scriptures that I had um, growing up that I, I feel like really helped me through a, a lot of life situations even through the boyfriend-girlfriend stuff, was Proverbs chapter 3. And, uh, and you, you're probably familiar with this, but I, I'm going to go ahead and read verse 1. 5 and 6 are the most familiar, but uh, I want to read verse 1. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. This is important because when you're going through those times of hard times where you want to give up, you want to just throw in the towel, you've had those intense conversations with God in private. Anybody ever had those intense conversations? I have. I grew, let me tell you, I, and I want to be transparent for a reason. I've, I grew up in the ministry, and uh, you, you see me up here leading worship. You see me speaking and all that kind of stuff. You may have the perception because of your limited uh, view of my life and, and not knowing every detail of my life, you may have the perception that, Ben, you got it all together. God blessed you, but he hadn't blessed me. But there have been many times that I've gone through life, even though growing up with the proper perspective, having everything given to me on a silver platter when it comes from a Christian standpoint, there have been many times where I have questions like, God, why aren't you here? I feel like you're a million miles away. I don't feel like you, 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 you really... I feel like that this is some sort of sick joke, that you get some sort of pleasure out of my discomfort. Anybody ever felt that way? And so I've had those intense conversations with God where I've yelled at God because of my limited, infinite, or my limited finite understanding of what the big picture is going on. And time and time again, even though I have been in, in the flesh doing those things, I've, I, I have time and time again come through t- uh, circumstances and situations where God has proven once again that he's got everything under control. Nothing took him by surprise, and he had a plan. He had a method to his madness. And it really wasn't madness that he had in mind. He had a particular design. And he knew that I had to go through certain things, otherwise I would not be the character or the person that I was supposed to come. I'm starting to try to work out in the gym and lose a little bit of weight, get a little bit better physique, lose some pounds, lose some of the flab. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the bodybuilder's motto, no pain, no gain. If you do not bring your muscles to the point of soreness, you're not doing anything, right? But it's, it's uncomfortable. When you're trying to get that, you know, be on that diet or be on that exercise routine or whatever, it takes discipline. And how many love discipline? If you raise your hand, you're lying this time. No, you know, nobody, like, nobody likes to be chastised. Nobody likes to go through the brutality of, of the, the feeling of the pain and the hurt, right? It's the same thing in life. If you do not experience pain in lifting things that that seem too heavy for you, you'll never become the fit Christian, the fit man of God or woman of God that God has designed you and planned for you to be. 
right? And so we've got to go through those things. We've got to trust him. So when you're going through those things, here's where I was going with this. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Don't let the enemy come in and snuff out the love in your heart and make your heart grow cold. Don't let the enemy tempt you to, to make a different decision other than being faithful in what he's called you to do. And that goes with any area of life. That you, all, you never let love and faithfulness leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them or carve its initials, uh, carve its initials in on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Here are promises in God's word of what you, you're going to gain favor and a good name in the sight of God, but not just in the sight of God. He's going to give you favor and, and win the heart of man, of people. And uh, the writer of Proverbs also said, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And I believe that a good name, you may not get the, the immediate gratification of riches now, but if you develop a good name, then the riches and the blessings and the things you need and the prosperity you need, will that good name will bring it to you. Because people will safely trust in you. They will say, that's a faithful man, that's a faithful woman. They have integrity. When they say they will do it, they do it. They're people of their word. They don't lie. They don't cheat. They won't stab you in the back. They won't talk about you. They won't gossip. Right? And when you do those things, it wins favor with God, but also man. And it brings you peace and prosperity. Verse 5, and this will be on the screen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, submit or acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths or make your paths straight. God will direct your paths if we trust in him. That was one of my life scriptures. Another life scripture is when I, when I was going through the tough times. This is one of my favorite scriptures to make mention of. One of my life scriptures, it says, Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, for your word has given me life. Psalm 119, 49 and 50 is where that comes from. And I remember the first time I read that. Remember the word you have spoken, Lord. Remember the word to your servant that you've spoken to me. Remember that word, the, the words that I've read in, in your word, the promises that are mine if I put my faith and trust in you, if I rely on you. Remember that word, because upon that word, you have caused me to hope. You've caused me to, to be joyous. You've, you've caused joy to spring up, because I know that even though I'm going through a tough time, that you're meaning this for my good, and you've got a plan in mind, and that I will, you will complete the work in me that you have planned and started. And it's my comfort when I'm afflicted. I am comforted by this, <clears throat> for your word has given me life. It's quickened me. It's made me alive. And let me encourage you that he must be the cornerstone. Let me read this out of 1 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. It says, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. When you're going through things, through hard things, it's easy to allow these things, the malice, the deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, it's, allowed, it's easy to allow those to begin to creep in. It's easy to become bitter and discontent and, and disheartened and, and angry and, and bitter. It's easy to let those things come in. It's easy to give in to temptation of evil and to do evil things because things aren't going my way. And so I'm mad. I'm going to pout. I'm going to give mom and dad a hard time because they won't let me go over to my friend's house. 
Things aren't going your way. They won't let me stay up till 11 o'clock on a school night playing video games, so I'm mad. Right? We allow those things to come into our heart and, and, and the hypocrisy. But it says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tested that the now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So allow yourself to grow. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, now listen, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Even though it looks like all hell is breaking loose and that you will crumble under the pressure, he has chosen the precious cornerstone of your life to build you up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, and the one who trusts in God will never be put to shame. Mm. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. When you see people, the people of God being blessed and you see people trusting in God and it working out for them and you're seeing the the testimony of their life coming to fruition, you get upset and it makes you stumble and fall because you haven't placed your trust in that same cornerstone, Jesus Christ. How many have ever sat... And listen to a testimony, one of those big, you know, I, I was delivered from this and that, and God worked out my life, and, and God gave me a beautiful family, God gave me a beautiful home, God be, gave me this, and God gave me that. And you're seeing that testimony, and you're, and you're saying to yourself, I want a testimony like that. When do I get a testimony like that? But one thing that you don't know about the testimony is the journey that it took to get to that place where they could say, God worked things out, and God blessed me the things that they had to go through. And I just want to say, if things are rocky and the boat's rocky and things are going crazy and you feel like all hell is surrounding you and you're about to be devoured and taken out, stand firm upon the promises of God because your testimony is in the making. If you don't believe me, take my word just right now and just hold out a little bit longer. Because I believe a miracle is in the making. That's how they got the testimony that they had is because they were in a, 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 a similar situation in a similar storm like you were. And they decided, okay, maybe I'll take God at his word and I'll stand firm and see what happens. And then next thing you know that they're talking about it, about how God brought them through. How God carried them through the hard times. This is good. I hate to speed it up. <laughs> But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I love that scripture. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I just want to encourage you. Jeremiah 29, 11, it's, a, it's an overquoted scripture, but it rings true every time that I, that I feel like God's leading me to use it every time I hear it. God knows the plans that he has for you. 
plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. He's not out to destroy you. God is not mad at you. God is not disappointed in you and is ready to take you out. God loves you. And God desires the best for you, but sometimes you've got to go to get that best-looking, cut, muscle-bound life, body, physique. You've got to go through some hard times. You've got to go through some pain. You've got to go through some hurts. But once God is through with you, you're going to look in the mirror, and like I said several weeks ago, a couple months ago, you're going to look back and say, God, you did a pretty good job. God, you really knew what you were doing. I didn't know how it was going to turn out, and I thought everything was going to. You know, it's like, it's, it's like when, the, when, the, when the disciples were in the boat, and the storm was coming, and, it, and the boat was rocking, and they woke him up. Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping in the middle of a storm, and it looks like this, 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 this boat is going to sink, and he's sleeping. Have we ever thought that maybe Jesus, you know, we hear the story and we're like, you know, those dumb disciples, <laughs> they should have known Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and Jesus, the, the one who spoke the worlds into existence, is laying back there to sleep, and everything's going to be all right, right. Why are you all upset? But yet you're going through a storm in your life and you're doing the same exact thing that the disciples did. When what you need to do is go grab your pillow and your blankie and go lay down beside Jesus and take a nap because he's resting for a reason. He's got it under control, and 